Pickaxe. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, and welcome to the Chance and Cattles podcast. Today, we're going to be bringing something slightly different. It's an extra one, a bonus, would you say? A very special episode of the Chance Encounters podcast. Indeed. <laughs> so we're not normally a new and reviews-based show, uh, mm. but today we wanted to just get it out of our system and talk a little bit about, a little bit about the UK Games Expo. That's mm. a bit of a mouthful. Um we went there over the last weekend, and it was it was pretty fab. Um, it was the first time in force that it was available since... 2019? Gosh, 2019, yeah. yeah. They did have one that was slightly smaller last they year. They did a small one last year. I didn't go to it because I knew it was very small, and I still wasn't comfortable going to big conventions at that point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, pretty much everyone I talked to was like, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe next, yeah. Mm. I feel like it's a cascading waterfall of people just saying, oh, I'm not feeling it, and then because somebody else you know, <laughs> exactly. everybody just didn't go. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're unaware of what the UK Games Expo is, or UKGE, God, still, still quite a mouthful <laughs> to get around. <laughs> Uh, what it is is it's a it's probably the foremost UK games expo. <laughs> it does what it says on the tin. Exactly, it's an ex- exhibition of new and exciting games. Big retailers are there. Small little indie like groups are there. Basically, anyone who's in board gaming and is square is there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, we went across and it's a sort of three day event. So it was a Friday through Sunday. And this year, because it was done over the Jubilee weekend, mm. it meant the Friday was also pretty busy. Yeah, because I actually only went for just the Friday, which is what mm. I normally do. I used to years ago, always go there for the Friday and then spend the weekend doing tournaments, which mm. are also hosted at the expo. Um, but this year I thought I'm not doing any tournaments, but I'll still just go for the Friday and then I'll go play with my friends afterwards and um god it was like twice as busy as the friday normally is mm. friday's normally real dead and you can go in and see everything but this mm. was rammed it was like a saturday i thought it was really nice of the queen to like extend that <laughs> weekend just for us to go <laughs> and extend the expo that was very kind of her i'll never forget that <laughs> yeah so it was a bit of a strange one uh it was the first convention i've been to since the 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 time that shall not be named mm. uh but it was it was it was really good um i actually found that slightly overwhelmed at the queue to begin with but once everyone was in it sort of dispersed down and i actually didn't find it was too bad getting around mm. i think i said to to russ that as you, as you go along uh it was fine if you weren't trying to get anywhere if you were meandering mm, it was okay yeah. but as soon as you wanted to be somewhere yeah yeah it was, people were in your way <laughs> that's definitely a classic uk games expo though <laughs> yeah. and also i just have a a tendency to get really frustrated at slow walkers yeah. in general. So, <laughs> so you're out on a hike and you're just Bad like, combo. <laughs> don't go to expos if you want, if you're a fast walker yeah. or just kind or of prep for that. Follow the theme park strategy of head straight for the back first mm. and then work your way back toward the front door. Yeah. Because 99% of people will walk in and just look at the first thing they see and slowly plod around. Yeah. Whereas if you bomb past everyone, go to the back, no one's there. 
look at everything and then work Ben, you can't be giving away all of these top tips. tips. <laughs> these are the five trips that will make your convention time exponentially better. Exponentially better. Exponentially. Like right. They'll have all forgotten by next year. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> but no, uh, it was a really good time. It was great to see uh, everything from small publishers, people who mm. are just like bringing things to Kickstarter mm-hmm. or even prototyping their games uh, through to the big ones uh, as mm. day is one of them that are just like everywhere now. Um, and it was cool to see like like exciting times. It's it's kind of, there's different types of conventions that you can go to. Um, there are ones where like specifically trade or like retail and they're just like trying mm. to sell games off. This one is a really nice sweet spot where you can go and then the convention halls, there's some organized play. So you can go and join in tournaments as Ben said, mm-hmm. or you can go and actually most people have a demo table set up so you can kind of try the game before you buy which is really nice to see Mm. um and then in addition to that they also have like open gaming areas where it's really trying to encourage people to play lots of board games um whether that's actually in a sort of the the nearby hotel or even within uh one of their halls as well Mm. Um, and then they normally have a board game library so you can take more board games it's just board games upon board games anything you could ever want to do with a board game you can do it there yeah um i did think I agree. Um, it does have a mix of playing, buying, and unveiling games. Mm. Uh, I've only been to Spiel and I've been to one of the American conventions, and this one does have, I feel like, the perfect balance because if you want to go there to buy mm. games, there's enough mm. stuff there, there's enough publishers there that you can do that. Mm. If you just want to go and play games, there's plenty of space to play games. You're never not going to be able to find yeah. a place to, to play. And if you just want to go for a day, there's enough time to go and see things as well. So I think, yeah, as far as Expos go, it's, it's definitely the highlight of the UK. Just not sure because I haven't been to all of the American ones, but I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say I've never been to any of the American ones, but I'm sure this one's the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it's fantastic. We, we got to, in fact, play on a pretty sweet table, a bit like this one. Um, mm. Whilst we were there, there was some like mm. areas in the open gaming that we tried out. And for me, I go because everyone's enthusiastic about board games. So it's mm. just it's just a, a, a clank just all the world combining together to just be like hey do you like board games of course i like board games <laughs> yeah. i just went around going like i've got that t-shirt i've got that t-shirt i was literally like counting exactly i pointed out one i said rich check out this guy's t-shirt said, yeah i've got that you got that from this place didn't you yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. oh, okay <laughs> i actually need more nerdy t-shirts i looked so. for them i didn't there weren't many people selling them there actually no i think 2019 i found a pretty cool one there was though. definitely less like little indie booths like mm. before yes. there was i was hoping to find a, like a new fancy wooden um dice tower for wingspan for my partner mm. um but there was just hardly any of those little handmade like t-shirts and mm. accessory kind of stalls that were there previously yeah. so i think um you're right that in previous years it has pretty much taken up the entirety of i don't know if you've been to the birmingham nec but it's like a purpose-built mm. convention center pretty much and the first Three halls are normally uh, taken up by any by by the UK Games Expo, mm. and the first two halls are generally completely stuffed, like mm. absolutely stuffed. So, if you if you, I had a friend who came along with me, and they were just like, "I'm not going to need more than a day," and I was just like, "Oh, now I understand why you need more than a day, just because <laughs> it is it is ram packed with all mm. the stuff." This year, I think I had about half of Hall Two, and that included some open gaming and then, as well. And the gaming was there was before 
all the tournaments were in a separate hall from exactly, the rest yeah. of the expo. Yeah. So I guess they're still recovering. They probably lost a lot of money last year, I imagine. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think people are probably still a little bit touchy, like all the everything that's going else uh, everywhere else. Mm. But I think they did do a really good job bringing it back. Um, and I think that I felt pretty pretty good being there. Um, yeah. And as I said, really enjoyed people. I'd, I'd love to go next year. Um, I'm loving. I'd love the idea that we can see more of the the indie people being confident that you know it's going to be well attended let's talk games yeah exactly. what did you see so uh that so they weren't i think we would mention this before the recording but we just said that there's no like big game that we you know we're really excited to see usually at mm. the uk games expo there's something or at least a couple of games that you're really determined to see and it's going yep. to be the big hot game but mm. i don't feel like that happened this year <laughs> I did. I did walk in, um, knowing that a game called um, Ark Nova was mm, uh, yeah. is, is pretty pretty hot at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it's right yeah. in the charts, isn't it? It's it always is. on um, Board Game Geek's hotness. Mm -hmm. I personally am not a huge fan of the art, but uh, uh, Dicky, who has previously been on the podcast, was. Mm convinced that it's my kind of game so mm -hmm. i went in about you know two hours after they opened on the friday and i was like please please don't laugh at me um yeah. do you have a copy of ark nova and the guy was just like no <laughs> we sold out of that like half an hour into it and i was like wow you know what that's totally fair it's just we yeah. got in we didn't we didn't have a game plan like who yeah. goes into these things without a game plan yeah. and then we were just like i'm sure there's a game that we should be picking up uh what game should it be and then then two hours in we figured out what it was and then they were gone well, right. actually, I had, and it, to be fair, he didn't laugh at Rich, didn't, so didn't. good on him. I, I can't remember the story. It was from the traveling... traveling man, yeah. yeah. But thanks for that. Um, though I did have a game plan, actually. Um, at the last convention that I, I attended, there was a lot of talk about this game called Scout, mm -hmm. which is published by Oink Games. And I knew that having looked online for it before the expo, that it was sold out in all my usual shops. Mm. So I said, if they have any... I'm going to go to Oink Games' stall and, and just pick up a copy. And I'm glad I did because it did sell out, mm -hmm. um, I think, on Saturday. So it wasn't as much of a rush mm. as I thought. But <laughs> I did um, buy it and we played it. Um, we did. We? So what kind of game was, was it? it? Uh, so What's it called again? It's called Scout. Okay. Uh, it's a circus-themed game, which is a very tacked-on theme for a, a numbered card game. Uh, <laughs> you've got these cards, go from 1 to 10, but each card has two sides. So there's two different numbers on it. You get dealt out a hand of cards at the start. And essentially, you're trying to score points by having the strongest set, which is called the active set. So a set is going to be a run of numbers. So mm -hmm. like three, four, five, for example, or a matching group of cards. So mm -hmm. two threes or three threes, etc. If yours is the strongest set, the next player. Uh, so you play down a set and then the next player has to beat it mm -hmm. by playing a stronger set. I try to condense down how to describe how to determine a stronger set i'm not going to bother i'm going to bore you with that but just know that you can beat it usually more cards is better right yeah um think a little bit like poker so if you can't beat it then mm. you can take one end of that set and add it into your hand and that's where the reversible cards come in because right. you can use them to to boost up a a set of the cards in your hand mm -hmm. Mm. which um is important because you're never allowed to change the order of the cards in your hand. Oh. So once you've got it, you choose to keep it upside down or the, the right way up, whatever mm. way, and that's it. You're locked in on that orientation for the rest of the game. But the only way to change it is to add cards in it by taking mm. them from the active set. And so 
you also get um, give them a point, which I realized we were playing wrong. I think in a previous podcast, we talked about games that, you know, well, we were playing wrong. Yes, oh, no. we played it wrong. So you give them a that point for having scouting one of their acts. Makes okay, sense. Sure. Um, and then and then essentially, if it gets round to the player with the active set and nobody's beaten them, mm-hmm. then the round ends and every card in your um, hand is worth negative points. Uh-huh. Mm. Other than the person who actually triggered it by having the strong set, they they don't lose any points from their mm. cards. Also, a rule another rule, yeah, write. yeah, this is great. This is great. And, and uh, who, yeah. who taught me this this game, Russ? Uh, I, in my defense, I did learn it about sort of two minutes before we started playing. Um, so I guess my uh, crown should be should be given away. No longer head of games. Head yeah. of coffee. I now. know. Shame. <laughs> Demoted. Yeah. Uh, but the game is still really funny even though we played it wrong i played it right subsequently yeah mm-hmm. it's got a lot more depth to it than you'd imagine for a okay. game that's mm. just numbered cards um oink games known for doing these small boxes of really well produced just tokens and cards usually mm. but they they have i feel like they have a hit on their hands with scout and it is actually nominated for the spiel des Jahres, which is the i like to call the equivalent of the board gaming oscars yeah mm. so it's one of three games up for it so I reckon it's got a shot. It's a good, solid game, and I think a lot more strategy than you might expect. And it's just, you know, when you play a game and immediately you, you want to play it again because you think, oh, I get the strategy a bit yeah. better now. Yeah. It's, That's always a good sign. Yeah, especially in a short game like Scout. So, yeah. It's mm. quite pretty, but it is like poker on steroids, pretty much. Yeah. It's it's hard to teach, apparently. Uh, really <laughs> Maybe hard to really. learn is yeah. probably more accurate. <laughs> I think once you get the cards in your hand, you can pretty much be like, okay, yeah, I can see that it's just numbers and you're just trying to make... Mm. So it, it does sort of make sense, mm. although we played it wrong. Like the game, the rules that I played yeah. seem to make sense. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it, was, it was a pretty neat one. Mm. Um, I also, I meant to pick up more games from Oink because I keep on being mm. expected to bring board games and oink games are perfect because they're just like easy to fit in yeah. into those yeah. bags well i did demo two other games i'll briefly mention one of them was called uh, town 66 it's mm-hmm. a bit like quirkle you've got different um square tiles with a shaped like character on it and a color and you start with a hand of four and you choose one and it can never match a shape or a color in the row that it is and the it's called town 66 presumably because it's a grid of six by six which you can never go out of so think a bit like king domino mm-hmm. and i didn't really get the strategy of it i understand what i was doing uh, but it never felt like it challenged me i wasn't right. seeing the best moves and i think that it's... was it just kind of always obvious what you should be doing no hard difficult decisions no difficult decisions but i feel like at points there wasn't really much decision making anyway mm. so i would not rule it out i'm mm. not saying it's a bad game i just didn't get the excitement um immediately after playing scout which i did but in some respects like the oink games uh if you see their catalog they have probably like 20 games at this point oh, probably loads mm. and they also that. have a significant variety of games yeah mm-hmm. um like we've talked about uh, uh fake artists in new york yeah. before and that's significant that's very different yeah. uh from social scout where yeah. exactly you've got this kind of drawing social deduction versus like essentially kind of poker with extra mm. bits um so th- th- i think they're really good yeah it did it, this one definitely felt like a family game because okay. mm. you can just play and there's probably strategy essentially at one point at every turn you can choose to reduce your hand size because if you can't play anymore uh you're out and then if everybody re- 
gets rid of all of the tiles, then um, I'm again, I might have passed that information wrong, but um, <laughs> just don't trust. If you're yeah, gonna don't like, rely on Rust, yeah. to read your not, books. Well, yeah, exactly. We're not a yeah. not a teaching podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a recommendation. It's just getting you started. Getting rules right you figure out the details yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did want to briefly mention the other one, which had a really nice theme, especially for uh, ourselves. Uh, it's about running a cafe. Uh, it's called Overload Order Cafe. It's a memory game. Mm-hmm. There's loads of cards, like a thick deck of cards, and each of them has an item on it. Uh, you're trying to get to level seven. So if you've played the mind, you know, mm-hmm. the goal is to get to the end level. And each level you get dealt a number of cards, which will have orders on it. Now, one person, before you get dealt them, reads out um, a list of all of the cards. So, and a lot of them are coffees. So you have like room temperature la- latte, uh, iced, Who has a room iced... temperature latte? <laughs> we don't we get don't out judge. of my cafe. <laughs> we, do... <laughs> we don't. I mean, we, well, we have iced and we have hot, so you know room temperature is just that sort of middle ground, right? Do, do you have to leave the milk out of the fridge at that point? That's a it health and safety hazard. It doesn't come with a recipe. I don't know. We don't. We don't serve at a chance encounter. Maybe we should. Oh damn right, we don't. New, hot new drinks. I think you make them and then you you have a production just... line and they're not allowed to have them for half an hour. You just leave yes. them out and then. <laughs> I tell you, I actually tell you who has room temperature lattes, me, because when I make them and then I get busy at the cafe and I forget about them, next time I drink it, it's room I mean, temperature. That's definitely a common issue in the office, mm. right? Where you're just like, I'm just going to make a cup of tea. I'll just yeah. wait for it to be drinkable. And then you're like, it's stone cold now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, and so, yeah, you get this, you go through these cards, you deal them out to players and essentially you need a certain number of the players to shed their cards. So mm-hmm. you take turns listing something that you know was ordered and if it's right a player with that card in their hand basically sheds it uh so while it does seem quite simplistic and it probably was because you're ramping up and you're going to get seven cards per player and in a you know four or five player game i can't remember the player count you're going to have to remember like a list of 35 things but the good news is because you don't have to get everybody not everybody has to shed their entire hands Mm -hmm. You don't have to remember everything. And also, um, you only have to remember a certain amount of those things because mm-hmm. you're trying to get rid of, you know, somebody else's cards. So it, as far as memory games go, it definitely felt more of a gamer's memory game than a family one, um, you know, like pairs. Mm-hmm. So I think there's potential for that to be quite chaotic and just you can make it harder or difficult, more easier by removing some of the cards that seem quite similar. Mm-hmm. But it was good. I, I enjoyed it. it I'd probably go Scout, then Overload, then Town 66 in terms of how much I enjoyed them. But I did want to shout them out because they were quite fun. Oh, nice. Right. Sounds cool. I think the first people that I, I bumped into at the UK Games Expo were the people that, that was basically on my list. It was it was just going to see Bez's games, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bez is a wonderful designer. Um, she's really, really great. She's brings a sort of enthusiasm to the hobby that you oh, don't yeah. necessarily see. And there's also like always something a little bit special whenever you go and see her. Uh, and this year it was the, if you bought some games or you took some games away, then she would put it inside a balloon. Giant balloon. <laughs> yeah. So I bumped into you guys and it yeah. like, it looked like you got married or something. Yeah, you had this really giant did. pink balloon filled with other smaller balloons. Yes. One in the shape of a heart. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it was fantastic. And seeing that whole like sort of ceremony, the, the the pomp of it, it was just, it was wicked. And then you're just walking around and everyone's kind of like looking at you like, why have you got this weird <laughs> balloon? What, where have you been? So I think it was like some pretty pretty spot on advertising for Bez mm. at the same time. So yeah. in addition, we'd actually love their games. Um, 
we recommended it with with Lydia. We actually accidentally recommended both of yeah, like two of, two of Bez's mm. games in the same one. Um, so we absolutely love it. And then Bez brought out a few more games. So we we picked up pretty much the whole shebang there. I just want to co- point out. So we went to the retailer event, and she had not only the most um, games. Uh, well, she's not only re- released. I think I'm going to start again. <laughs> I just want to point out that the reta- the press preview event that we went to, mm. she had the most presence at that games because she i think she's released five new games and six expansions for games that she's already had so 11 new games oh my god she's a machine yes honestly the i talked a little bit about a design process on a previous podcast and yeah Mm. she's she's very special at games design and i'm very glad she was looking at doing one game per convention that she went to at 2022 which yeah is an insane how many conventions is that I think it was a, akin to nine or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, but Bez's games, if you if you haven't seen them before, they're like a pack of cards, essentially. So somewhere in the region of maybe 54 cards, uh, give or take. I think it literally says on the back, it's like 54-ish cards. <laughs> um, and they're really, really great. And so they pretty much fit anywhere. You can take them down to the pub with you or whatever or mm-hmm. i most recently took some to a wedding and got people involved playing oh, those yeah. games nice uh, <laughs> so it was it, they're, they're fantastic games and of course they're like very social um so i went to see bez to begin with and she, she made me very happy it was a very good start to the uh, the uk mm. games expo for me yeah Although yeah. then I had a balloon that was like three times the size of my head to carry around. <laughs> I was just so nervous around that stand, though. They popped two balloons they before did. they worked out the trick to making them. Yeah. And I'm just on edge anytime there's a taut balloon. So that was a very stressful moment for me to start the expo off with. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Did you see anything that you particularly oh, keen on? I saw a couple of things. I have to admit. Usually when I go to the expo, there's a, there's a bunch of things that really jump out and mm. I get excited about. But this year, I saw some things that got my interest, but mm. nothing that I really, really got excited mm-hmm. about. Um, so I want to give a shout out to the um, NISEI Nisai group. Yeah, right. They're a non-profit organization who's looking to keep the old Netrunner card game alive. Uh-huh. So I've never really played very much Netrunner, but the people I was with used to play it a lot and it's mm. an old fantasy flight games um living card game mm. which i don't know if you're familiar with that but that essentially means um it's kind of like a magic the gathering situation but instead of buying boosters and getting random cards when you buy an expansion you just get all the cards mm. in one box you're never um, priced out of getting a card because you just yeah. didn't get it what's so rare there's no rarity or anything like that mm. so from what I understand, it was a very, very good game, very well made, very balanced, good for tournaments. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when Fantasy Flight stopped producing it, the community has effectively got together and kept it going. They're mm-hmm. playtesting new cards. They're reprinting old cards. Um, I think they've obviously had to remove all of the copyright stuff. Yeah. So some of the names and art and things have changed. But it's mechanically, it's the same game. Oh, wow. Um and a couple of my friends were there and chatting to them, um, and they sounded very passionate. They've they got a team of like 50 people, wow. all volunteers, yeah. um, who are playtesting and developing. And wow. um, So you can buy the whole set from them. Um, and like I said, they're not profit. So anything, any small amount of money, like revenue made over the production costs, goes into hiring artists mm. to make the next batch of cards. Wow. Um, so if that sounds like a thing you're interested in, check it out. It looked really cool. They were very passionate and um, appreciated their effort yeah. of keeping had, something they um, love alive. Similar to you, like many friends that were kind of interested in Netrunner and mm. 
they they if you're into Netrunner, you're kind of like pretty like people know you're into Netrunner, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, it seemed really good. And then they made a lot of people unhappy when, for whatever reason, they, they stopped. Mm. So this is this is great. It's fantastic. I might check it out if it's got you know mm-hmm. some some forwards, yeah. forward plot thought as it were. So that'd be yeah. really, really cool. Mm. That sounds wicked. Um, I saw a game that unfortunately is it's not available yet, um, <laughs> and it's not even on the Kickstarter yet. Oh no! But it was called Where Humans Don't Belong. Okay. And um, the concept looked great, yeah. and I just had a chat with the designer, um, and it's an idea about you're on a like a you're on a spaceship, and you get flung across the galaxy. You mm-hmm. find a way home, and on the way home, you can explore, find, salvage ruined ships, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's only for one or two players. Oh, cool. um, but you've got you know you've got your ship, you've got to manage your resources, you've got to fly around in space, you explore, you manage your resources, you manage your crew, and you um, kind of. When you're exploring a derelict, it's a little like a sort of a dungeon thing. Mm. And I just, I like the art style. It sounded cool. The concept was cool. Um, so I'm going to keep an eye on that. Cool. Um, awesome. It reminds me of a game that I actually sat down. There's like Escape from... Uh, the Aliens in Outer Space. The yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Is that Wait, No. It's... Escape the Dark... Wait. Yeah, Escape, Escape the, the Dark, dark Sector, Sector. Um, mm-hmm. is uh, one of the games that was there. And yes. so they were... Uh, showing it's I don't know if it sounds a little bit similar but mm-hmm. that's that's a game that I managed to play and I, I played it with um, Russ and a friend of mine and mm-hmm. normally I don't like randomness mm. but this one felt good because we won <laughs> 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 I'm not gonna lie we managed to do a really good job of it uh, where the idea is that you're kind of going through these flipping over cards and you're you're reading them mm. off and then trying to like make decisions and maybe you're fighting people maybe you're mm. you know jumping into burning areas or whatever else and mm-hmm. There's a lot going on with it. And then we we were making these like reasonable decisions that if affected affected, affected, infected, or well, whatever would <laughs> but basically changed the outcome of how, how we're gonna go. We managed yeah. to really power up. We just had a really good run and we managed to win. And these kind of games are I'm I'm more of a strategy, not much mm. of a di- dice kind of guy. But this was an interesting mix between story and dice. And now I've done it, I can never play it again. because yeah. <laughs> it will only ruin it for you. Yeah, you won't be that high of winning. <laughs> exactly. Um, Themeborn actually, this is the publisher of that game. Mm. Um, they did Escape the Dark Castle, which was a mm. throwback to those text adventures. Yeah, it's very much um, like a choose your own adventure, like fighting fantasy kind yeah. of game. Yeah. I love the artwork on yeah, Escape the really Dark Castle. And then mm. they've managed to replicate that with a space theme again mm. probably harking back to some older space based games but i wonder if they find themselves uh stuck to this wow funny you should say that because yep. themeborn i i spoke to them um yep. before just before the expo mm. they started a kickstarter for a new game that was radically different to their other two yes, games you told yes. me about this i remember now yeah. um it was called strike hq and it's a um quote unquote real-time strategy world war ii game mm. it's obviously not it's a board game so it can't really be real time but mm. heavily inspired by old rts's mm. um and it looked really cool but they um they had to cancel the kickstarter just before the expo um because it just wasn't getting any traction right. um so they realized that something they, they're going to go back to the drawing board and re- reassess it what was it called again strike hq so i imagine they'll just Call it Escape from Strike like HQ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it looked totally different. Um, but they were they 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 were having a chat amongst themselves about you know what what about it didn't capture people's imagination. But I went mm. to speak to them because I loved the look of the game, yeah. and they gave me a demo of it. Oh, cool. Um, and it looks really cool. It's like a um, it's a zero luck, fog of war, like war game. So essentially, you've got 
it's a two player you both have a base there's a grid of like five objective territories in the middle mm-hmm. and every time you deploy troops you put them face down and then you move them around this grid of locations you've got a, an order pad which you, with a dry white marker mm-hmm. so you write down four orders your opponent does the same then you reveal them you execute those orders as they're written and you can't react to what your opponent's done okay. your move your units move around face down until they meet in combat then you flip them over and resolve it mm. um and obviously you know tanks beat infantry but bazookas beat tanks and there's like a sort of six, rock, paper, scissors. A six yeah. layered rock paper scissors right. kind of situation going on so you're not every time you you've got a deck of cards but you you're not drawing from the deck randomly you mm. can pick anything from the deck put it on top and then when you execute a build order, you're building the top thing from your deck. Right. So it's all yeah. about planning and anticipation yeah. um, and trying to bluff your opponent. Um, oh. And yeah, so imagine it's effectively like playing old like Command and Conquer or Red Alert, yeah. but in card game form. I think it's it's got great potential. But obviously, something went a bit wrong and hopefully yeah. they can um, figure it out and relaunch it maybe later this year. I yeah, I always find, I wonder how um, certain... Uh, companies deal with that i have seen mm. kickstarters cancelled and then come back stronger and actually succeed so mm. um you know our, f- our friend frank uh you know he does consultancy on sort of uh kickstarters mm-hmm. and so i wonder if that's some tactic there's probably something that they just need to tweak and it'll hit it and sometimes it's just bad mm. luck you know I, th- I think there's an element of snowballing with Kickstarters as well. Mm. Once it starts going well, mm. it does better because it's doing better. More yep. people hear about it. It goes on the front page. People talk about it more. And then mm. then people see, oh, look at this huge Kickstarter that everyone's backing. Mm. I'm going to get mm. on board the hype train. Choo-choo. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't quite hit that like critical mass, <laughs> yeah. it's probably best to like yeah. wait and go again with a, with a slight rebrand, I suppose. I mean, even recently, Steamforge Games has released RuneScape, the board game. And mm. uh, Yoxcast did a... Uh, like a they, they they were doing it whilst it had started and within like 20 22 minutes 24 minutes whatever mm-hmm. it had already reached its hundred thousand pound goal and it i've got to admit like i was so close to pushing that button because <laughs> i was like this looks so cool i've got to play this guy <laughs> and like it harks back to like that's nostalgia as well yeah, but i was yeah. just suddenly like i want to be one of the first backers of this this is gonna be so great and it, it looks really cool and uh-huh. i can imagine the strike hq is kind of maybe that that thing if they can play into it or i, feel like I think if it was difficult. me personally if I was in charge of it, mm. I like my, I feel like the World War Two thing is probably a bit too generic. Mm. And if they rebranded it as like like something like a Starcraft right. or a more fantastic kind of exciting yeah. universe mm. that could get my imagination a bit more fired up, I guess yeah. I think Starcraft, that might have... World of Warcraft. There's there's actually fairly few like Activision licenses in board games at the moment. Oh, I didn't specifically mean Starcraft. I just meant something. No, but that's actually like really interesting that. because I know a lot of people like if you put Starcraft on an RTS like mm. board game, then yeah, it's absolutely going to catch people's imagination. Yeah. Like I, I would know friends who would be like, I would kind of want it just because the just sweet because art. of the yeah. I might be stingy with the licenses. I don't know. Maybe, but Maybe I mean, they've I, done what mm. World of Warcraft Small World. Um, there's been a few that they've done. Oh, yeah, yeah there's, there's yeah. been a, um, a World of Warcraft pandemic as well. Yeah, the, the Lich King, yeah. Oh, I should really... The Lich King is called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah So yeah, I mean... it can be done. I don't know what their, you know, what their revenue, like, what their revenue split rates and all the rest of it are. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah. But I don't know. 
Uh, It'd be interesting. I, I I do wonder whether or not they're essentially like the Hugh Grant of uh, of board game publishers now at this point, where it's like he couldn't get much out of the of a rom com situation, <laughs> and now it's like no, we just got to do Escape the, and it's going to be this kind of like semi RPG rolling game. Got got pigeonholed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do I do wonder that that is obviously going to run out of you know potential themes soon so they, they're they gonna have to i don't think they're gonna run out of themes i just think they're gonna run they out of steam do. in terms of like how probably, many people are interested and how excited can you know if you're like an artist or a creator or mm. something you, you probably would want to try something you've probably got some mm. great ideas that aren't that exact thing you've just spent the last five years doing you yeah. know you do want to try new things i totally appreciate that mm. no i mean yeah. it's cool that you've played it you sound it seems like you like it and mm. it just seems maybe a bit of a marketing or an imagery thing or whatever it would be but fundamentally they seem to they have a good game on their hands which is fantastic to hear mm. hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Um, so, I mean, because I wanted to talk about another game that mm. I uh, I really enjoyed, which, so this is kind of cool. I spoke to somebody um, at Cosmo Stand, who's like a contact that I know, and she said, oh, I've, there's a demo that I'd really love you to try um there's one space for it and you can play with the designers Ooh. and i was like cool sign me up and it is the expansion <laughs> to a game called the red cathedral okay have either of you I've played not heard that? of that no so it's not a very exciting theme i grant but it's about what is building the red cathedral up. it's a russian cathedral that's all i know okay right <laughs> nice um so you're building up this cathedral, which is made up of cards. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, different number of players, different number of cards to balance it out. And you collect resources by moving down sort of along a rondel system. So it's just like a, What's a, a round. Rondel? So a rondel is usually just like a circle with spaces. Yeah. And on your turn, you're going to move forward a number of spaces, therefore mm -hmm. missing some spaces. But sometimes you just want to go further because there's a resource that you want. Well, each rondel is slightly different, but this one has dice. So essentially the number on the dice tells you how far you move forward and wherever you land, mm -hmm. there's a little resource token or something on there, which is what you get. Mm -hmm. And the more dice that's on the space that you land, the more of that resource you get. Okay. So that's a cool mech mechanic mechanism. Mm -hmm. I keep getting those two. <laughs> so they both mean pretty much the same thing. Uh, so you're collecting resources and then you're going to be delivering them onto these cards and building them up. And it's a really, doesn't sound like a very exciting game, but I've played it and it was really good. So I was kind of interested in the expansion. So when I sat down and got a really lovely demo, uh, by a gentleman at the Devere stand who was, um, Cosmos published their games in the UK. And as we were sitting there playing the game, um, he kind of dropped in that, oh, uh, nobody outside of Devere has actually played this expansion. You're the first people to play oh, wow. it. I was like, cool. that's, that's pretty so cool. cool. Yeah. That's so cool. And then on top of that, as we were there, because I was thinking like, oh, the designers actually aren't here and they weren't. So some other people just stepped in. 
and the designers arrived uh, while we were playing the game. And I saw, um, uh, I think Shay, because there's a, a couple um, that designed it, pick up some pieces going like, oh, like that. And I was like, that's weird. They they made the game. Why are they like looking at that? And apparently they have never played the physical copy of <laughs> the right. game. This is the first time they've seen it because they've been doing it all online. Testing yeah. on tabletop yeah. sim or whatever. Mm. So picking up these little diamond pieces, which wow. is a new resource in the game and kind of marveling <laughs> over it. Um, the expansion's great. It adds more to the game, adds an extra dice, adds a new, um, mm. all these new modular elements. Um, again, don't want to kind of get into the nitty gritty of how the no. game plays, but if you like what, Euro style games. So what kind of game is it? Is it like a cooperative or like oh, it's a, a competitive, competitive game? game? Um, it's ultimately mm. a resource collection game mm -hmm. and not really an engine building element. It is all about the rondelle. It's all about being efficient. If you only have so much space to mm -hmm. hold your resources and right. then there's guilds that you place on the corners of the rondelle board. Mm -hmm. So wherever you land, there's a bonus action, which is determined by a card, which is representative of a guild. And usually they do things, exchange resources, do deliveries so you said this was a euro game but it has dice which sounds specifically like well, that's the, like calling monopoly with dice <laughs> um, it definitely felt more like a euro game i can't explain mm, okay. why but the dice the only randomness in the dice is after you've moved a number of spaces and wherever you land you mm -hmm. roll all of the dice in that space so it kind of chooses how far those dice go but you always have the option to spend money to move it further mm. well some of the dice and it Oh, it's a little bit of an engine builder as well, because when you um, when you say, hey, I'm going to build the door of this column here, mm -hmm. um, there's an area control thing in the columns. You know, the more pieces you have on that column, you'll score points for. It's very, oh my gosh, it's such, certainly, this is why I didn't certainly want to sounds like a euro in terms of yeah. theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slowly building up a cathedral. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I, I thought it was great and I was oh, really nice. glad to try it. And uh, yeah. I, I would I, I think that was probably one of the better games I played at the expo mm. this year. I think in terms of the expo, one of the one of the bits that I'm most excited about is when I go to a place and they have oversized games. <laughs> yes. That is by far my most fun. Like I've gone and there's uh has been what was it Blue Orange, uh, which who make mm. like King Domino and stuff. They've had these oversized things and we managed to get in on it was they were very nice. They kept it mm -hmm. open like after the exhibition had technically closed. We were there, we were still playing this game called Dinky Dungeon, which was like <laughs> we'd seen some kids playing it earlier. Yeah. And it was just like these square tiles that they would flip over and it was like it was based on Pathfinder. Giant. So it was oh, just wow. this like you flip over these giant tiles and these must be like two foot, maybe slightly bigger than two foot squares. And then they'd be like flipping it over and they'd be like taking this huge foam dice and then giving yeah. it a roll and they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to do something. And, and it was just basically like a roll and move. But it was so much fun. And then there was just the four of us being like, who can do this the did, fastest? Did Were you your playing piece? Did you have to step oh, on yeah, the yeah, tiles yeah. you were You had like a oh, waistcoat yeah. on with like four hearts. And every time you killed something, you got a certain amount of XP. Did you, did you rip a Velcro? heart exactly. off and you got hit yeah, you oh like, that does sound wounded, fun you that off, and then if you had like you killed it and you got the xp then you put xp on and it was whoever had the most xp at the end and it was really really good fun i really enjoyed it and they were so like really nice for keeping it open we were just yeah. there being like thank you very much i appreciate it i just we were being like absolute kids when we were playing well it was the, great. i was gonna say because i think ultimately based on the gameplay it very 
felt like a kid's game. It yes. was. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, you kind of fun playing ourselves. the kid's game. Yeah, exactly. we were throwing Again, ourselves into it. I, and it was I, quite fun. I picked up a kid's game to play with my kid when I got home. He mm. absolutely, fucking, absolutely loved it. <laughs> um, it's uh, called Castle Feud. Okay. And I don't know if, if you ever played um, the old uh, crossbows and catapults game when you were a kid. No. Um, it's essentially a modern remake of that by a different company, but by uh, a different I name. Think I know which one you're talking and you about. build a little castle with these plastic bricks and you oh, hide yeah. your soldiers on or behind the walls. Right. And then you take it in turns with an elastic band powered catapult to fling rocks at each other's castle. And it's whoever knocks over the other pe- nice. person's people first. So yeah. you're just like flinging rubber balls across the room that trying to knock great. down their little bricks. It's the kind of thing my yeah. mom would be like, you're going to poke someone's eye out with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that you're like the parent that's just like, no, that's totally fine. I want to play this. <laughs> yeah. I, if anyone does play that, I highly recommend getting like a blanket or some pillows and bunging up the uh, the sofa so no balls go under the sofa that was like lesson uh, one yeah. playing it for 20 minutes we lost like five balls under the sofa <laughs> immediately <laughs> so we could bundled up a blanket there to stop that I mean happening. you could just turn it into a big thing you could just make a little pillow fort like with all the <laughs> yeah. sofa cushions and then play it in that that would be My the god best. next level exactly <laughs> Yeah, but then how can you aim for the for the other player instead of the fort? <laughs> I imagine that's what <laughs> some kids will want to do. Maybe. It's true. So we yeah. do not condone this kind of activity, though. <laughs> that's how eyes get poked out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was it. It's just like another kid's game that was surprisingly fun as an mm. adult. And um, my kid absolutely loved playing that. In fact, we saw a game as well. Which I can't remember what it was called, but the, essentially it was like a dodo egg at the top. You oh, like yeah. peeled up this thing and the entire game, and I don't know what the gameplay was, but it was trying to get these bridges in so mm-hmm. that the ball would drop onto them and then it would like slowly go down like essentially a cylindrical thing. Oh. But the ball was, it was weird. It's it, magic technology. It she was... wouldn't tell us what it was. <laughs> I don't think she knew. No, but it basically like would wibble and then stay yeah. for a second and then move yeah. on and wibble again. And it was just this <laughs> slow plod down and you had to basically play the game and complete it and get this egg onto a boat before it dropped off and yeah. you know, cracked and, and the dodo had no egg at the end. The, the brilliant thing about that is the theme. Even though it was clearly a kid's game, the theme's brilliant. A dodo being an idiot bird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So Laying many dodos the out egg, there. The Delicious, I hear. Uh, <laughs> has laid its egg on top of this mountain and it's just going to roll and fall and, and drop and crack. And it's obviously the last dodo alive. <laughs> or maybe that... I mean, biologically, oh, that hopefully there's the more case, than one because otherwise that won't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> let's not get into the uh, specifics of that because the more you think about it, the more creepy that is. But anyway, save it for a yeah. lifetime of in- incest. We can cut that. <laughs> Mum, auntie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and yeah, then you're just basically trying to save it from being, cr- you know, cracked mm. by like landed gently in this boat. But I was thinking that's a great theme for a, for a game. Yeah, it looked fun. great. Yeah. It was very visual. And that's kind of yeah. like another one that if you got that in chance, even though everyone is like over 20 pretty much in there, you'd mm. probably see it and be like, I want to play that game. Mm. I don't know. I don't care what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like You get Mousetrap out on there and people are going to be like, I want to play Mousetrap. Mousetrap <laughs> is not a good game if you actually play by the rules. <laughs> no. But you definitely want to be the person that's like, Boof, and then you're just setting all this whole marble run off essentially. Yeah. It's the same thing I think with that. I mean, it could have some really good gameplay in it. Like, but, but that's that's not the draw, though, is that's it? That's not the draw. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. And they know it as well. Yeah. <laughs> were, were there any other games that you played that you were really, really excited about? Uh, there was a couple. So in terms of games that I actually picked up, one of the other draws of the UK Games Expo is the fact they have um, the Bring and Buy, which is yeah. like mm. the biggest secondhand marketplace 
in the UK at any specific time, mm -hmm. uh, which could be a whole load of bollocks. I don't really know. I it's, the, big. The, it's big. It's <laughs> big. Um, and so what will happen is you uh, can go in, you can check any games that you don't have mm. or that you have and you don't want, and you'll check that in. So you can potentially sell over the, the course of the weekend. And then also you can go into the, the actual market itself and then you can look at what's on the shelves and potentially pick up a good good board game. Um, I myself went and sold Gloomhaven. So Ooh. if anybody picked up a, a Gloomhaven copy with a wooden insert from a well-known manufacturer, <laughs> then that could well have been mine. Uh and I was just really happy. I was supposed to take that to the 2019 UK Games Expo. <laughs> I forgot it. And then I was like to my wife, oh, don't worry about it. I'll bring it back next year. Yeah. <laughs> da, da. Yeah. He, didn't. he <laughs> didn't bring it back for Spoilers. three more years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, we, I managed to finally get rid of that. And I was like, yes, free money. I can basically now go and reinvest this into yeah. my board game hobby. <laughs> and that's a fair old whack for Gloomhaven. It's it a big, really big, is. big game. Yeah. So uh, we, I then went round and, you know, queued up and stuff. And mm. uh, to be honest, uh, by the time I got there, which was after noon on the friday mm. uh i think a lot of the the good pickings had already been been taken yeah i got frustrated in the bring and buy because uh, i got there and i got in and the there were three games in a row that i saw that i was mm. like oh i've always wanted that game but it's quite expensive and i'm not sure how much i love it mm. but then i saw it secondhand i was like brilliant went to get it grabbed it picked it up no price on it and right. there was a huge queue going all the way around to pay for stuff and yeah. i was like i'm not queuing up for 20 minutes to find out it's more than I want to pay. Yeah. So I put it down, grabbed another one, same problem. All oh, right. Wow. Saw a different game I wanted, same problem. Three in a row oh, wow. without a price on. And this queue was just getting bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And I was just like, oh, I, then I bailed out. I just couldn't be bothered after that. I, I didn't have that issue, fortunately. Um, I I managed to pick up some that had just just come out, fresh right. off the, the, the press, as it were, or the second <laughs> yeah. printing. Uh, I managed to pick up a copy of Wavelength, actually, oh, for yeah. like yeah. 20 quid. And like that's been wow. in and out of print for quite some time. And it was mm. it was so good that I didn't even check it whilst I was in there at the point. I didn't realize, but you could, this like, we, oh, we have yeah. it in the cafe, yeah. but it obviously gets a bit of use. It, it, like, it's quite a smooth function as you kind of rotate it slightly right and so left. What is it? Like a, like a, like a radio kind of so, tuning thing uh, oh no <laughs> yeah you, it's a good point yeah. we should probably because like, this this motion this, doesn't show up on audio app, very well it really doesn't <laughs> no, so, i think russ explained it best it's a case of measuring subjective things on it on a scale that is so for example hot or cold yes you're going to get given a point along that scale a bit like dial. a radio dial where yeah. it'll have on you know from left or if you're trying to tune that frequency as it were yeah. you'll mm. spin a dial and it'll give you a vague area you're trying to get them to tune into as it were um and then what will happen is the person who's doing it will mm. will if it's between the hot and cold and they went you know ice cream you'd be like okay well it's not the super frozen but it's it's you know it's probably mm. more frozen or too more cold than hot as it were and the, then you'll have this whole discussion about oh what is richard's subjective knowledge about that oh uh, and so I see. it's really good and it's it's honestly the kind of board game i can bring to the table because yeah. it'll take about two minutes to explain yeah. less than that and and the gameplay is just discussion rather than mechanics exactly and you can kind of play as many times as you want mm -hmm. or whatever else um normally you know everybody wants a go at doing the dial as it mm -hmm. were but it was so new that it was like you could hear the clicks of oh. it, as it as you kind of did it and i was like yeah this is a yeah. someone has gone i don't really like wavelength i can't bring it to the table because and they're like the opposite of me whereas all of my <laughs> people i play with are probably on the 
uh, let's play something like really easy and you know get to the table and I don't want to have to think about it whereas they're probably like oh you know what if I, if it's not Feast for Odin or whatever <laughs> yeah. else like four hour games Twilight Imperium then you know it's not going to get to the table <laughs> I was just like sweet so uh, that was the only one I didn't see mm. too much in terms of the cost like the price mislabeling mm. I think I just got unlucky because almost everything else I saw did have prices on I wonder, I, just... I wonder if it's people who've brought their own game in realized they've overpriced it and just removed it the lower price priced ones maybe getting themselves oh, wow. I, I don't, dick don't dastardly know. of the friggin bars and I just want to point out that I have never used or sold anything at the Ring of Buy. So that's not a tactic I used. <laughs> I've been to the Ring of Buy as a, as a purchaser before. It was my first year doing the actual selling and I, it was it was really good. Like 10% of all sales go to charity. So they, oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. It's it's a really, it's a, it's a nice thing to, to be involved in. I think mm. it's pretty much volunteers that are running it. So yeah. it is a great place to have well-loved stuff. Like I, mm. I'm a big fan of going into a charity store and finding mm. like secondhand books and then like always going into certain sections and being like, do they have that next book in the series that I really, really want? <laughs> yeah. um, and so it's kind of like that. Uh, all of the, it's it just, it's just it's feel good and you I, get some bargains. I did hear something shocking about the bring and buy. So when I turned up- <laughs> Other um, than people which, taking off the price levels. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's to be expected. Uh, Standard for high, uh, high level tactics. <laughs> no, uh, so obviously Rich brought his game and it was all cling filled wrapped up. It was like and I 10 that was, kilograms. Yeah. It was so oh heavy. <laughs> Um, and there were other people bringing their games or wrapping their games when, mm. I, when I was there. And I was like, mm. oh, maybe that's just a weird thing, uh, like a COVID thing. I don't know. Mm. And then when, I don't know when it was I heard it, but then mm. people said, oh, yeah, some people use the bring and buy as a sort of missing parts library. So if you've got a game oh. that you're missing a card or a token, you can go into the bring and buy. Examine a secondhand copy yeah, and, and just, just wipe out the missing it. part. And I, said, <gasps> oh, I couldn't. I wouldn't even dream of doing that. That's so horrific. Yeah, it's that's horrendous. And so it makes sense now why they all cl uh, cling film their, their boxes to stop people doing that. Wow. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I cling filmed it because I was just like, there's so many things in this that if, you, if you're not like disincentivizing people, mm. then I just assumed they'd open the box and it would just go everywhere. everywhere and it was make a mess. Yeah. Um, at which point it's kind of on you. So <laughs> I was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow, I'm going to do what everybody else has done. And there was me at home, like, cling filming it, getting it ready, being like, you know what, I'm, I'm probably taking this too far. But I wasn't taking it too no. far. Otherwise wow. you'd have lost that miniature that someone missed. You know, I had a copy of Gloomhaven that came with um, two miniatures that were the same. I had the same issue. Yeah, oh, exactly wow. the same figure. And so I can't use one of the characters in it. <laughs> no, anyway. In this particular instance, yeah. Gloomhaven have the ability. So normally publishers yeah. will, if you reach out, you can chat to them. I think we had a Dominion. Uh, which had like two sets of the same decks and Gloomhaven also have it that they will replace mm. uh, miniatures mm. and stuff. That goodness, unless it's a deal breaker. I know that um, from speaking to people in the industry, publishers mm. and, and that, that to replace missing parts, especially with shipping it, yeah. and margins aren't that great. Yeah, in the it must be incredibly industry, expensive for it, them. Sometimes that can be the difference between making a profit and a loss on a game. Yep. Mm. And I just don't care that much. I, I'm usually okay to, to work around anything. There are like 12, 15 characters in Gloomhaven, I guess. There's a good yeah, exactly. Like... And also, you know, you can proxy it. Yeah. You could just, just use a different a miniature. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, something else. It doesn't make a difference to the gameplay. Mm. So mm. the only thing I would say is that, um, and I came up with this idea mm. during uh, the convention <laughs> and I forgot to tweet about it, um, but... I think that publishers should mm -hmm. bring boxes of missing parts and pieces or extra oh, wow. pieces. Like a lost and found kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. so then it's like kind of like a 
an amnesty. <laughs> you, you know, we won't ask any questions, but if you need a missing piece, you can just take it from there. I mean, and wow. it would mean that you could reduce everything down and be like, okay, yeah, I'm not, we not, we can't post this out to you, but if you come or you know someone that's coming yeah. to this convention, we will will happily give you. Yeah, one. I think I would happily wait to go to a convention and just say pick up that missing miniature that I got. If nothing else, because the people that are probably reaching out to you are mm. people who are su- a bit more into the hobby and they yeah, yeah more invested. Um, yeah, because we we had a conversation about essentially the quality of games and the issues that you have around the shipping out of board mm. games and boxes and making sure that they're some people are collectors as it were mm. and so they need to make sure that it's it's shipped out and it's not damaged in any yeah. way and this whole thing is is very difficult for publishers and i, I that the logistics involved i don't even want to get into like that's just ridiculous it's always been very impressed with any publisher that's like yeah yeah we'll ship it out as opposed to a big company like Catan. once when we received um a copy for like a library for a previous job i had and asked them hey we got one damaged road and one um like missing house in Mm. in our copy of Catan. Mm. and instead of just sending them out that you'd think you know a big company like Catan. They asked for documentation of the issues, and and I thought, oh, they'll send us a whole new set, and only sent us those two missing pieces, <laughs> which I right. thought was, yeah. you know, kind of well, exactly. OTT or very very stingy. But well, knowing if, a little if, bit more about it, that kind of a bit makes a bit yeah. more sense now. Mm. Occasionally, what will happen is we end up sound- if if we get a copy of you know a board game in the cafe that breaks or whatever we might set it aside and we'll use mm. it to salvage the spare parts mm-hmm. for the other game that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. is inevitably going to to break down or lose something or else we've got so many carcass on meatballs <laughs> in a drawer in the cafe just yes. waiting wow. to be replaced waiting for their chance to shine <laughs> speaking of missing parts actually i recently went to a bring and buy in bristol and randomly uh, rolled the dice on a set of Journeys in Middle Earth, which is a Lord of the Rings like miniatures game. Well, mm. well not miniatures; it's more of like a. It, there are miniatures, but it's like an adventure explorer map kind of game. Mm. And I was like, fifteen pounds. This normally retails for ninety pounds. There's definitely missing pieces. And the guy <laughs> selling it was like, it's not mine. Mm. I don't know. Like yeah. it was his. It probably was his, but he just wasn't <laughs> willing to get into the details. Yeah. I didn't know what should be in the box. I was like. I don't roll the dice on this maybe i can pick i'll figure out what's missing and then yeah. pick them up on ebay or something like that because you know that's 75 pounds off i can proxy some missing parts got it home and um it's missing all the cards it's got all the dice tokens miniatures boards everything wow but it's missing oh, about no. 300 cards <laughs> which is such a weird thing to lose yeah, i don't know how yeah. that's happened how he's managed to lose all the cards maybe he um, brought it to a previous year at the uk game <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. and he didn't sell and someone else just had the cards yeah wow that's good brutal. tip though i'll go to the yeah. expo next year <laughs> don't please don't do that <laughs> with a box cutter yeah. i would i would actually largely say my own cellophane wrapping machine <laughs> They'll never know it was me. <laughs> no, of course. There were not. like legitimately <laughs> games in there that were still in their, their, their first the original of shrink wrap. Exactly. Wow. And so I don't. There was a lot of like Guilds of London. Like I think it was the first UK Games Expo I ever went to. <laughs> like Guilds of London or something was was the hot game that year. Mm. So I, I obviously got caught up in the hype and bought one of them. Yeah. I've never played it. I mean, it's in the cafe, but 
then seeing it there being like oh these were six years ago like everyone got caught up in the hype and also didn't play this game <laughs> not the Great only time. one yeah um wow. i know i've mentioned this game before by the way um but i did have a surprise buy at the expo mm-hmm. i've talked about my love for unmatched uh on the ep- on the episode mm-hmm. but they one retailer at the expo had imported a set that isn't even out here and i'm not even sure when it's going to be out but mm-hmm. it was the t-rex versus dr sattler set for unmatched so you were so happy when you saw I that i was so excited it's really exciting though because the models in unmatched they're about sort of 30 40 mil mm-hmm. roughly um yeah you about, definitely know when you're yeah. playing tabletop when you it's, it's in yeah. mills at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um i think they're about 40 mil models they're about they're about yeah they're probably about the size of your little finger yeah, yeah. Um, but this T-Rex is... Oh, oh God, it's huge. it's huge. It's like the size of a kid's like toy dinosaur kind mm, of thing. Yeah. You know? It's about like six inches high and about eight inches long or something. It towers over every other thing yeah. in that game. It is crazy. It takes up um, more than one space on the board. And that's one of the aspects of the figure. Mm. And, it, and it's funny because in a previous set, I think it might have been the Cobble and Fog set. Mm-hmm. It made a reference to large characters cannot use these secret passages and at the time everybody oh, said many. what what do you mean large <laughs> yeah. characters is beowulf large is bigfoot large it's good future proofing um, yeah. yeah well they must have been working on it around mm. the same time as that because the raptors versus ingen set was released around the same time yeah and now we understand why because t-rex <laughs> is huge and it's really cool uh the t-rex is the one I played as when I tried it out. And mm-hmm. um, I just don't know how it can't win every match because it's a friggin' T-Rex. But um, it's a very, like... I mean, it's unmatched. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a three-game win streak undefeated with Sherlock Holmes. I'm sure right, he can work his wait, way around a T-Rex. How does Sherlock Holmes do damage? Oh, just, you know... Thinking, mind thinking. Yeah. Well, he has um he has Watson following him around with a revolver, right. which really helps. But generally, he's there's just a lot of cards with pictures of him going, oh, really? <laughs> think, yeah. thinking real hard and like deducing their exact weakness. Like, right, you know, right. he just works out that think that cutting remark that just yeah. hurts them to their core and makes them reevaluate their Those lives. Small arms, Mister T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was more about the magnifying glass, like concentrating the sun and just kind of doing right. some burn damage. Okay. I don't know. You don't ask too many questions about. Um, yeah, it's a little abstract. This game, it's um, okay. But but it's it's a fun, it's a fun character well, to use. They, they wait until the brides of Frankenstein, uh, the brides of Dracula, seduce the T Rex. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I, now I'm just having. So with the t- introduction of the T Rex, just every every set of against that it just seems crazy other than the raptors <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but it's fun i'm glad i i'm glad i got to um to pick that you up you were having a real quandary was... when you were there you were just like oh do i get it do i get it? what yeah. do i do and i'm like well you gotta have to get it now like it's the only mm. one in the uk yeah i mean you were so I, excited no when you got it though i think it yeah, was the I, right move i found ben 
later on um and i just said i just need someone to acknowledge that this is a really <laughs> you cool did a drive by you just ran past and said yeah. look at this <laughs> and they just disappeared <laughs> off into the crowd that wasn't the only thing about unmatched that you were actually super keen about it was because we were also there for the the retailer day mm. and then uh, russ got yes. russ had seen that underneath the the table that they had this fedex like oh. postage envelope mm -hmm. and that they'd given out something i and spotted a like, deal going down so, so you were like, oh, what's this? I knew, what it could it possibly to, be? I knew it was something to do with Unmatched. So you went over there, you talked to someone, and they just kind of like gave you a bit of a brush off, to be honest. Yeah. And then you, we did a circle around and came back about half an hour later. Clever and girls. And then you got very interested. <laughs> I was bold at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm either going to miss out on this if I don't say something. You've got so the I scent. Think, uh, <laughs> yeah. Promotional materials. Yeah. Well, I think I said... Give me the promo. <laughs> the, best, the best bit was is I didn't even know what it was. I knew it was something to do with Unmatched. That only made you so, more excited yeah. for it. <laughs> glinting off the yeah. like weird lights in there so i so i think i used the line oh, i just wish there was something you know special i could you know get my hands on and he said oh funny you should say that like i don't know the Luckily, guy they'd had a staff change at that yeah, point it did actually you and sherlock you just found his yeah, weakness and yeah. you managed to be like oh this is how yeah. i get the loot and then he said and then he brought up this little fedex envelope because yeah. and he and it was literally about an a4 size envelope there couldn't have been that many yeah. cards in there and brought out and he gave me one for each set so there's oh. four promo cards with mm. multiple cards and i believe because i haven't opened them yet because mm -hmm. still oh, then they'll lose value at that point yeah well i'm gonna use them because <laughs> i i'm a weird person who just thinks games should be played i don't necessarily believe in sleeving You're gonna cards sleeve them instead. in like mm. proper thick plastic yeah. <laughs> I, I would probably be the guy that um found a black lotus and just kind of used it as normal <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's a bit that I, w I lie. I wouldn't do that. I would get the money, but um, <laughs> being the most, most expensive, expensive single card yeah. in Magic the Gathering. Magic no, Gathering Pokemon ever? cards have gone through the roof though oh, now. Really? There's been a real surge in the last two years. There are Pokemon cards now that are worth is one sold for one point three million dollars. I think wow. last last month, a couple of months ago. Yeah, that's why I don't play Pokemon. It's just too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they had a Pokemon raffle there. There was a card grading stand, right? So yeah. if you've got a rare card, you can have an expert grade it. And they'll say, they'll give it a ranking based on like the condition of the card. Right. That's what you do. If, you, if you've if got one of these super rare cards, you have to have it graded before anyone, any serious collector will, will buy it from you. Oh, wow. Um, it's like getting... Um, uh, you know, like a chartered accountant to like stamp of approval. Yeah. On it. Um, and so they had this grading stand where you could come and get your cards graded, but they also had like these special boxes, these wooden fancy boxes with like um, metal clasps and everything. Mm. And you bought one for like, uh, I forget how much it was. I think it was like a hundred pounds for one of these wooden boxes. And, you know, some of them had like two, like quote unquote for audio listeners, <laughs> you know, cards worth two thousand pounds in. Mm. Some of them only had like fifty pound cards in. Mm. So it was like this like oh. Pokemon card roulette where you pay up substantial amount of money yeah. for a graded card of like various value. Um oh. I don't know. As someone who doesn't care about rare cards or Pokemon mm -hmm. felt like a real scam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you you know you paid your money and you take your chances, I guess. If you need that Charizard, that's you know, you might get it for a hundred quid instead of, you know, a hundred thousand pounds or whatever I, it costs now. My, just... uh, my TCG success story, that's trading card games, was that I had a full set of Yu-Gi-Oh! Exodia, which if you've ever seen the uh, thing, was just... I've heard whole... of the meme. Yeah. I've never heard of it's that pretty, before in my life. Like, some people might know about it, and, and please let me know if you're as excited mm. about that as I do. I no longer have them. 
Did you sell them or did you lose them? I didn't actually sell them. <laughs> I, I probably sold them at an absolute loss. <laughs> I was just like, this is really cool. Well, you never knew that what it'd be worth these days. There was a huge Yu-Gi-Oh tournament at the expo. I don't know if you went over and saw it. Um, there was more people playing Yu-Gi-Oh than Star Wars, Armada, Legion and X-Wing put together. Wow. And it was like half the gaming hall was just Yu-Gi-Oh players. That's a lot. It's having a comeback. Back, back, back in my youth, I did do some, some uh, tournament play. But my uh, tournament play consisted of like just putting a deck together of the cards that I had and just saying like, this is cool. This is what everyone does, right? <laughs> yeah. Rather than you go and then someone's playing like a deck that has been like on the the internet that's been like performing very well at previous tournaments and then they just destroy you and you're just like yeah but i just uh, this is a really cute pokemon (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't even be in the deck it was (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. oh i do have to admit actually like there was tournaments definitely lost something when like net decking and net listing became a thing Mm. a certain certain innocence has disappeared from the for for a layman Mm. like me who Mm. don't know what oh sorry yeah um so Back in the day, when you go to a tournament, either for miniatures or cards, you would design, you know, you'd build your deck or you'd make your army and you'd see how you did. And you'd have, you know, you'd have a fun time. Whereas nowadays, because everything's on the internet now, Mm. you can look back at the last two years of tournament results and see, you know, what was the exact list of cards the top five people used at every event. And then you can just copy it exactly or make your own twist on it or design your deck specifically to battle what's popular right now. Yeah. Um, So when you just grab something and copy it from the internet. That's called net decking or net listing. I was just think that doesn't sound fun to me. I'd rather just build up a deck and just become it. Some, some people don't really enjoy deck building. They just want yeah. to play the game. They don't yeah. like the prep and the, the thinking and the studying. And so I totally appreciate, you know, I just want to play the game and I want to be able mm. to compete with other people mm. who have very good decks. So the only, you know, that makes mm. sense. I don't, you know. Um, this is a good segue into a game that I didn't actually get to demo there, but mm. I had demoed briefly at Aircon, which mm. is another convention earlier this year, called Blazeball, the card game. Oh, yeah. And it felt very much of that Netrunner style. You have, you know, a deck and you're battling, but this is based around baseball, mm-hmm. um, but specifically a internet uh, phenomenon called Blazeball, which is baseball on steroids to use a not literally on steroids right no, they're not all well, juicing athletes well, <laughs> um, it's designed by um i think it's called wayfinder games and mm-hmm. they yeah. uh published a game called the split which um i haven't actually got to demo but i'd like to try that soon mm-hmm. but blazeball is a brand and they managed to get the license to make a game around Blazeball, but it feels like a deck building. So is Blazeball like a real life sport? No, it's an internet. Sounds thing. like it would be really fun though. Yeah, um, just it, like I, it's really baseball extreme. Yeah, it's just actually <laughs> yeah. on fire. We just throw <laughs> oh, it. it's 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 baseball with an L. It's not Blazeball. Blaze Blazeball Blazeball. I think they pronounce. I don't know. I, oh, I'm not. A this is blazeball. getting rapidly less yeah. interesting yeah, with every but, new development. Uh, well, I should say that the 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 game is, you know, it has androids. It's got uh, it's got characters that are just animals. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. There's, honestly, it's a bit okay, back in. You've got robots and animals. It's got a yeah. meta element to it because in real life, there it's an internet game that you can mm-hmm. just kind of bet on and you support your team. So it's almost like fantasy football. I'm probably doing this really bad justice, but if you Google baseball and <laughs> it, if sounds it sounds so like clunky you're coming of, out, yeah, <laughs> baseball. I think that's why it's baseball is probably yeah. better. I'm not sure, but I just wanted to give a little uh, shout out to them because they're on Kickstarter. 
as of recording and it mm. does and it was a fun little deck building kind of game in the vein of mm. uh these trading card living card games which mm -hmm. i think is yeah. worth a little look if you're interested in that cool um so i guess at this point is there any and then last shout outs you want to say anything that you found interesting at the uk games expo yeah, there's a couple of games I'm going to get my list up. Uh, <laughs> just still going uh, yeah, for days. Just, uh, just a quick couple of things that I wanted to mm -hmm. shout out about. There was a really neat game um, called Kites in the Sky, which is a real-time games don't tend to like excite me at all. Uh, but mm -hmm. this is a sand timer game. Um, okay. So you, you've got kites represented by different colored sand timers, each mm -hmm. a different amount of time. And it's a really quick card playing game. You play a card down, it's either got one or two symbols and therefore colors on it and that means you flip over those timers those sand timers there's also one to represent the game time as well uh, the game um as well so mm -hmm. if any of them run out you lose and it's mm -hmm. about trying to keep these kites up in the sky um very simple quick card game and that's by um floodgate games and that's not even out yet which was mm. cool because i got a little sneak preview of that that was fun there's a game another game that i got to try called the gig which is uh, a competitive roll and write about being in a band uh being in a jazz band essentially that's the closest i'll ever get to success <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i could never play a music instrument very well <laughs> well you don't have to you don't have to learn but it's really nicely themed the mm -hmm. presentation was good even though i only played a prototype copy because that is also another game that was on kickstarter mm -hmm. and that's published by brain crack games mm -hmm. really cool you're rolling the dice to try and claim spots in the songbook and mm -hmm. Depending on where you place, there are symbols which help you score points, you know, sets of points. And you can also use those to manipulate dice results as well. Um, and the the shape that you form by the dice that you place also helps you fill in your player board, um, which is, again, another way to score points. But it's asymmetric. So each mm -hmm. player's character or the instrument they play um, has a different ability and that's kind of neat as well mm -hmm. and also um there was a, a company i'd never heard of and it very much felt like they were gun gunning for big potato spot as the supremo party game company and that was mm -hmm. format games um run by uh or started by uh, a well-known person in the industry called matt edmondson um who actually designed Obama Lama. you know probably people oh, would have okay. heard of that game that was a big potatoes game mm -hmm. and a couple of really really neat takes on a party game yeah. trivia style mm -hmm. my favorite i think had to be the so wrong it's right so it's a trivia game where um you, you have all of the questions have a correct answer mm -hmm. but depending on which card of a small deck gets flipped over you might have to say the right answer you might have to say a, a wrong answer you might also have to say the right answer with the two first letters flipped around or oh even my God. Like removed you nork yeah you <sighs> yeah you nork or you orc that could be I'm, a I legitimate would be answer so bad at that game yeah. oh i was God. bad at that game <laughs> i was uh, pretty good was very good at this <laughs> I, I, literally just i can barely speak time. properly normally at the <laughs> exactly. most best of times but the 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 funny thing was is that we were playing matt was there um, um partially on friday and partially mm. on saturday demoing his own mm. games which was pretty cool mm. and at one point when I was doing all right, because he's played these in millions of times and he even knows <laughs> the answers, but you could see, not this game specifically, previous games, mm -hmm. um, but you could see he was getting a bit 
frustrated i think <laughs> that he wasn't winning um which i which made me respect him even more to be fair. and i actually still managed to win but i sensed that maybe he was just making me feel that way that oh you did really well but i loved that i thought there was a couple you of good did games. do very well that that just seems to be like a game right up your street yeah I, I found my thing and then the last one which is a game that isn't out yet it's called starship captains it's a game coming CG? out uh, CGE, yeah, so Czech Games Edition. Mm. They do a certain type of game which you either kind of you're all over or, mm. you know, feels a bit weird because they always kind of go with a little bit of humour in their games. Yeah, so this one is, silly. you know, you're taking on the role of a, essentially a Star Trek. I'm going to say it. It's definitely yeah. inspired by Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been take. It's a bit of like a... A budget Star Trek because you've been given a charge of this ship which is a bit better than bruised mm-hmm. and... Uh, you have workers that are different colors mm-hmm. and each worker has a specialty. So one lets you move around this mm-hmm. kind of around the planets on the board. One lets you repair damage. One lets you buy new technology, which give you kind of upgrades or passive abilities. And once you've used them, they kind of go in this little queue. It's really hard to describe. So you two viewers are going to have an advantage here, but it's essentially like a queue. So you push them down this sort of mm-hmm. line um then this like double layered um mm. boards with a sort of slots so you push them down and then when the round ends you're going to push all the people in that line so they're only the last three mm. in that line they kind of get locked in place and you can't use them for this current round right uh, but you get to use everyone that you've pushed into your sort of pool again okay so effectively everyone kind of has a cooldown. uh only the last three mm-hmm. that you push so you have to be a bit tactical which colors Mm-hmm. you use as your last three actions yeah, in the you won't game get them next turn because you won't get them and if mm. you used all your red workers for example mm. it means you can't really move around the map and that's mm. restriction restrictive mm. um okay. it is a still a work in progress and mm-hmm. it was kindly demoed by the designer but i thought it was a really oh, i do love actually getting demoed by the designer because often yeah. it's one of the people who's helping out mm. on a day yeah and you know they they know the game and it's all good and fine but you get so much more passion yep. yeah and like you know you get it's so much easier to get excited about a game when you're playing it with the person who made it and he's just yeah. really excited to tell you all about it and well, yeah. he was pointing out easter eggs he said mm. oh that's uh from uh that's the thing and so from star wars which i've mm. never watched i'm happy to say that again <laughs> probably going to get some comments about that and pointing out just other things that were clearly inspired it was kind of mm. neat i liked it speaking of checks games edition I, at the end of the day on the friday i was about to go and i hadn't actually bought a game yet and i was having a bit of a panic i can't leave the uk games expo without having <laughs> literally bought a game it's it's an unwritten rule um so i went through the the, the games that were nominated for awards mm. that year and just thought well i'm just gonna buy one of these because they're, they're probably good it's <laughs> <laughs> a good assumption and um ended up picking up uh the lost ruins of arnak yep which oh. is a checks games edition game but I didn't actually get around to playing it. So I've got it at home. I'm going to try and play it this weekend. I can tell um, you it's bloody great. Yeah, well, I had, it won Spill DR and it was nominated at the Expo. So I thought this feels like a really safe bet. Mm-hmm. Nice mix of worker placement and deck building, but very, uh, very tight in both of those um, mechanisms because you only get two workers mm-hmm. to place each round and you only get to buy sort of a couple of cards and play five each round. Mm-hmm. Really really weirdly addictive gameplay it's just yeah i don't know if it's lost something i played it on board game arena which is mm. like an online platform mm. you can play it. i i didn't get it 
Ah. So I'll be really interested to know what you play. Did I teach it to you? Because I might. Have no, I just played it with rules wrong. <laughs> Probably, yeah. No, there was like two. It was for two players, so maybe it's better a player higher, better at a higher play count. You mm-hmm. know, we've talked about what it can do and what it really should be doing before. Mm. But I'll be interested to know what what you think about okay. it because, mm. or if anybody else is like, oh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Like, there's a lot of hype around it. I was just. I was I was underwhelmed, but I'm sure mm. I'm in the minority. Well, maybe not. I mean, you know, there's plenty of popular games I, I'm not a fan of. Like, everyone has different tastes. Yeah, I actually fine. was keeping an eye out for the expansion, but I wasn't able to find it anywhere at the mm. expo. But that's something I'd like to get. I yeah. really love the game. I do love Chat Games Edition as a as a publisher. Like, they're, they're doing good stuff at the moment, and they have some incredible designers. And they are, like, branching out from their big hit being Codenames. Like, lots of mm. people know them for that. Um, but they Galaxy Trucker as well. That's a, that was right. a, a, quite an older one now, I suppose. But that it's was come a big back one as a second it's edition now. Mm. Yeah. So um, yeah, like by all means, there's a that's a great publisher to check out. Okay. Uh, well, with that, I think we've managed to cover pretty much everything that we wanted to that we we went to go and see. Some of yeah. us had bigger lists than others. Um, <laughs> some that we we managed to see at the actual time, and overall, like what what the UK Games Expo contained as well. So I think we've done a pretty good roundup of that. And if you yeah. managed to get through this far. Thank you for hearing us babble. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And if you know if you're watching YouTube, um leave us a comment. Do mm-hmm. do you like this different odd format? Did you go to the UK Games Expo and yeah. did you find something that you actually liked? What did we miss? <laughs> yes. What wasn't on Russ's list of games that he I'm he sure there was one that one out there that we didn't <laughs> talk about. Exactly. Let us know what it was. There was me thinking I didn't play enough games. <laughs> and I'm looking going, no, actually I did. That's a bit yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh but thank you so much for bearing with us. Uh well hopefully it was it was as enjoyable for uh, for you as it was for us. Yes. Um if you are on YouTube and you mm-hmm. haven't downloaded it as a podcast please consider looking on that and subscribing to it definitely um, and as ben said what do you think of the format do you, do you mm-hmm. like that a few bits of odd news do you think we should go to more conventions should we send ben to the u.s to go to <gasps> one of those conventions <laughs> we may have to start a patreon but uh once again thank you so much have a good one Bye. Bye. Bye.